Gardening Radio. I'm Ray Burton and welcome to another Let's Talk Gardening podcast. Our mission is to provide listeners with interesting, informative topics and up-to-date information. My co-host is Faya Caro, an award-winning gardener, horticulturalist and media presenter. Faye's passion is educating people. Oh, and she loves bugs a lot too. My passion is simply beautiful, healthy gardens. And together each week, we cover many great gardening subjects. Saturday morning and here come the girls, Ray and Faye, with Let's Talk Gardening. And greetings, gardening friends. How are you all? We're here. Bev, John, Faye, Ray, rearing to go, aren't we, Faye? We are. All right. And uh, you can ring through right now. The lines are open. You can email us as well. Thanking the dynamic duo, Chris Bartlett and Mark Carlton, as always, and also Jim Crinan. And Jim will be back again at 10 o'clock for the classic 70s, won't he? So we look forward to that as well. And then Brendan T from Midday. How's it all going? Another another little hiccup in our worlds. <laughs> A weekend of gardening, right? I know that's how I see it. Yeah, and thank, and thank, isn't it? Uh, how lucky are we that we have this? Like straight away, your mind goes, "Okay, I've got this to do, and this to do, and this to do. Nothing's going to disturb me now." And um, I just, yeah, I went into how lucky overdrive. Are we that we have that. Eh? Yes, I went into overdrive yesterday, and I'm thinking, "Whoa, mm. what can I do?" And I mm. thought of all these new projects. Shall I rush out and get my seedlings? And I pulled back. I didn't want to be out there with everyone else. And I I can't imagine Mm. what it's like out there. But I I decided, nope, I'm going to catch up on those little tasks that have been on the list for a while. Because here we were 12 months ago Mm. and we had it big time. Mm. So I'm I'm looking forward to going back to where I was last year and tizzing everything up again. Doing that next layer, getting out in the garden. I've already started planting out my borders for... Well, winter, spring. Mm. Mm. Uh, we talked about this during the week, didn't we? The little borders where we can create habitat for the good bugs to look after pesky little things like aphids and mm. chili thrips yeah, and the like. Exactly. So we can do this hopefully without distraction, which is what oh. uh, I, I like. And we are chatting this morning at 20 past eight to Eva Ricci from the Turf Growers Association, talking about what to do with your lawn now and looking out for the dreaded army worm and uh, identifying him, what he's like and what he gets up to and uh, what you can do about it. And at five past nine, we're chatting with Heath Oakley. Now, Heath is the National Marketing Manager of Rich Grow. Uh, and they're very heavily involved with the Perth Garden Festival. There's tickets to give away, and we're going to talk about the talk schedule at the show. And fingers crossed that the show goes ahead because it starts this Thursday. Well, it's already started, Ray. They've been out there working on their landscape gardens. So let's just, you know, hopefully this is just a blip on the radar and things will continue. It's one day at a time. I'm I'm convinced that it is. Yes. Okay. And we have a song that's coming up as well to uh, one day. What, what is it called? It's called Happy Talk. Happy and Talk. A lot Where, of our we... listeners would be familiar with South Pacific and the beautiful tropical gardens of the movie. And this is one of the soundtracks. And it 
it is a happy song. Mm, yeah, okay. So we will, I will source that and we shall play that at some point during the show. Let's go to Butler and talk about potatoes. Chris, good morning. Good morning, ladies. How are you today? Very well. How are you, Chris? I'm good, thank you. I've just got a, started a crop of uh, pink potatoes. Yes. And I'm, my question is to what sort of um, treatment can I give the soil to stop any uh, invading bugs to attack the potatoes? What, ground, ground pests, do you mean? Or Yes. Okay. Oh, ground and um, foliage. I, I don't know that they're targeted by terribly many. Uh, what we might do is get John to look that up and see what what potential pests would target underground. I find that root crops are a fantastic crop because usually they're away from the pests that come in underground, but there might be some weevils or some Mole crickets, little uh, oh, target okay. potatoes. Mm. Right, okay. So something that will repel them. Well, certainly marigolds is one of the all-round beneficial yeah. plants to have or companion plants in any garden uh, because they exude something through the soil that helps keep away nematodes for one thing. But also yeah. we found out last weekend that the yellow flowers may attract thrips. So by putting them in the garden, they will keep some of the other bugs away from your plants. So marigolds are certainly an all-rounder, but let's see what we yep. can... John can dig a little deeper and maybe come up with something. The mole crickets are a really tricky one. Very. Because um, in order to, to find them, they will be in tunnels under the ground. So when you hear them at night, it's very hard to track down where those tunnels are. They they yeah. probably do come out at night time and maybe having a light where if they're attracted to the light, you may be able to trap them, uh, like physically get out there with a net. Um, but, yeah, I haven't got anything conclusive on the mole crickets, I'm afraid, other, other than toxic poisons that you would treat all the soil with. Yeah. Mm. Uh, another question is um, when the um, potatoes are growing on the, like the plants, I've got a, uh, a bag of uh, mulch. Not it's it's a straw mulch, a hay mulch. Yes. Would I um, put that in between the rows of the um, potatoes to stop the sunlight from getting to any exposed? Well, the thing with potatoes, you generally um, dig, a, dig a trench and plant them down low. And then what you do as they're growing, you mound up the soil around the stem of the plant. And this will produce more, tomato, um, more potatoes. And you continue doing that while they're growing. So for the next 10 weeks or three months, continue to mound soil up around the stem of the plant as they grow. All right, yeah. Okay, and you can do the mulch, but certainly the potatoes will grow better if the soil is around them rather than the mulch. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Okay, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome, and a great time to be planting potatoes now through the winter months. Yeah, they're just, uh, they're about um, 
four or five inches high at the moment. Right. Well, yep, get some soil up around them and then mulch on top of that. And uh, another question is... Um, would it be any advantageous? Would it be advantageous to use a bit of uh, sea salt or something? Always, always, and also uh, something like potato e manure because what you want is the roots developing. Yep. Okay. And um, ink PK blue. That would be fine as well. Yep, and you put that on as a side dressing. Yeah. Okay then. All right. Good luck with that, Chris. Thank you. Have Bye. a good day. Bye. You too. Bye for now. And the lines are free, 94841927. And today's gardening program is sponsored by Safety Bay Settlements, settling and transferring properties across WA since 1977. Okay. How do we go with emails this week? Do we have a lot to catch up on? We, we... we do have a few. Not a lot, Ray, but we do have a few, certainly. So good to see our listeners are out there checking up on their gardens and enjoying this beautiful weather. The weather has been divine. Mm. Even I can't complain. <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Good and how change, cool it? was it this morning? I bet you love that too. I love it when it's a bit crispy. Yes, mm. I just absolutely. I like. Well, I sleep with... I <laughs> shouldn't probably say this on air. <laughs> Uh-oh. No, no. No, um, I like... I like uh, a window open, uh, mm. but I don't worry. I have full-on security uh, and external, but I love that bit of air flowing on me when I'm asleep. Mm. I just love it. Mm. It's refreshing, isn't it? Oh, I do, yes. Mm. So anything with a two in front of it, as I've said, with the temperature, as long as it's got a two in mm. front of it, I is happy. And, of course, the, the sunrises and the sunsets. They have, have... that tangerine oh. hue. I mean, there's nothing like autumn, in my opinion, oh. and it just makes you feel, I don't know, it's great to be it, alive. It makes you feel alive, doesn't it? it? And that's, do, that's yeah. right. What I would encourage listeners to do over this next couple of days, because their their diaries and event schedule have probably been minimised somewhat, yes, get a good night's sleep and yes. get up early in the morning and yeah. take advantage of the the amazing sunrise because Whoa. there's no feeling like it. And being up when the birds are starting to wake yeah. up yeah, and and being just... aware of oh just nature. I mean, these are the benefits of of a couple of days at home, renewing your spirit. Yeah, and Anzac Day tomorrow. So we will definitely be up and uh, in our driveway. And uh, so we will be up early. And, uh, yeah, it'll be lovely. Lovely. Very good. So Sue has sent in a photo of some wrinkled passion fruits that have fallen off her vine. Hmm. It's the first fruiting. Uh, the vine is about 18 months old, very healthy and prolific and a good dark green colour and vigorous. So that's fantastic. Quite a number of the fruit are shriveling before they mature and they're dropping off. She picked up 20 the other day and they're about the size of a big hen's egg. So they're, they're certainly a reasonable size. Now, this could be due to a couple of factors. Mm. Sometimes if there is a pest that gets in and nips the stem, that can help, but um, not help, that can cause it. But 20 is a lot. So, you know, look for signs of perhaps rat damage because they gnaw at the vine to sharpen their teeth. Um, but also a weather event. And we did have significant rain in recent times. Mm. So it could it could be that. Uh, there is a virus called passion fruit woodiness virus, and this can cause th thick stems and thick 
fruit, mm. the skin of the fruit. Um, hopefully some of them will will certainly set and it's just the way of the vine dropping off what it can't mature. It's Yeah, I can't tell anything else from the photo, unfortunately. But keep an eye on it and look for those physical signs of damage. Yeah. Now, what about any, is it a nutrient issue as well? Well, it's it's like a, something sudden, so mm. which makes me think pest yeah, or weather event mm, mm. because the the plant has suddenly let go. So yeah. you try and think of what's happened. If it was fed something, if it was fed fertilizer, a granular fertilizer that burnt the roots, that could also cause a sudden drop of fruit. Mm. So something's happened to trigger it. So it's it's hard to know. It's like in an interrogation ray. Exactly. Yeah. Now um, we've got another one from Jeannie about the gall wasp, and she's been very frustrated. She pulled out another lemon tree because she was trying to keep the wasp wasp under control, and bought a miniature lemon and put it in a pot to keep better control. She's still trying to control the wasp. They netted it. And the tree is still getting attacked. The problem is if I cut the affected stems, there'll be nothing left because it starts right near the bottom of the grass. graft. Should I just leave it there because they would have flown away by now and just keep monitoring new growth above? Mm, I think um, the, the netting is probably a good idea. As far as timing goes, I don't know that they would have flown away. I, I'm not sure the timeline of this plant when the galls developed um, and I can't really tell. It looks like the older stem has swollen mm-hmm. but I can't see any evidence of holes where the wasp has left. So what you might do is continue to keep the tree netted and continue to monitor over the next couple of months. Now I do remember something about a product that you could put over the stem, like a Vaseline or a tar that actually trapped the wasp in the stem. That or even a tape. Or so a clay of some sort. That mm, they were something that creates a, a barrier. physical barrier mm. that they can't get out. Yeah. Now, the gall wasp would hatch out sometime after the 30th of June. Mm. So probably not now. Now's the time where people should be out looking for those swellings yes. and removing any of those swellings, mm. solarising in a bag for a few weeks. Mm. Mm. Okay? Yeah. So she was saying, if it's the one that I read, that if she was to remove every gall, mm. she'd have no tree left. This is true. So what happens? You don't have... Well... You have no tree left. Like, well, yes. So mm. that's why mm. to net it, to physically wrap something around the stem so that it's not um, In, escaping. Infecting mm. further. It's it's a hard one. Yeah. It really is. And some areas um, have done, yeah, they've had it really bad. And, of course, you know, we've talked about the potato peeler thing. The, the problem mm. is when you go all around the stem, you're almost ring barking it. Yeah. So the health of the, the plant is going compromised. to be compromised. Yeah. So that's not really going to be as effective as, well, not as effective as removing it if possible. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. 
All right, I think what we'll do, we're going to be chatting with Eva Ritchie shortly. So let's go to a break. And on the other side of it, uh, we might give away a $75 voucher for Bigger Trees. How does that sound? Sounds great. Curtain Radio in Perth. 22 minutes after 8, you are listening to Faye and Ray, Let's Talk Gardening. And as promised, we have Eva Ritchie from the Turf Growers Association online. Good morning. Hi, Good Eva. Morning. Good morning, Faye. Good morning, Ray. How are you? Yeah, good. How are you going? Oh, yeah, terrific. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah really well. You Beautiful got a, morning today. Beautiful morning. Yes. Have you got a good weekend of gardening planned, Eva? I surely have. I surely have. I'm just. Um, we've been we've been hard at work gardening. We've moved home and um, yeah, just resetting up a, the garden in the new home. And yeah, it's great fun. I love it. Love oh, it. Oh wow! And so, what size property have you got now? Um, we're on two and a half thousand square meters. Um, yeah, so we went from two acres down, which has yeah. been taken. Taken a little bit to adjust to, so mm. yeah, yeah, but that's and okay. I know you're passionate about lawn and green spaces. Do you have a lot of lawn where you are? Um, no, not really in the backyard. No, um, we do have a fairly significant front yard, which we're we're looking at at the moment. You know, just to to make it more usable. So probably closing it off so it is usable. Um, yeah, but at the back here, yeah, that's why I've just extended a bit of lawn out the back just to just to get that running area for the grandkids and. Um, I don't know, that sense of space around the house a little bit, you know, mm. so it's not so closed in. Yeah, so. Oh, and what sort of yeah. turf are you looking at? Um, I, well, look, there's, there's currently soft leaf buffalo in place. Um, and that's so, yeah, we're just going to run with the, the, you know, roll with the punches with that one and keep on going. Which And, and I like a soft leaf buffalo. I, like, I quite like the broadleaf um, turf variety. So. Mm. They're not as yeah. invasive, are they, as something like the cooches? Absolutely. When you're when you're a gardener, they're a whole heap easier to remove out of a garden bed, aren't they? Yes. So you know when you think about kike and and uh, cooch from that perspective. Um, but in saying that, I do love cooch grasses. I love that fine leaf as mm. well. I like zoysia. You know the little little empress zoysia is beautiful. You know, yeah. There's some. I don't know. You just it, it's it's. It's just you. Currently, I'm just working with what I've got, but I would love to have a couple of different varieties. Yes, personally, yeah. I know a friend of mine was talking about putting in lawn recently, and they they're not familiar with the new buffaloes. They mm. were thinking the ones that we had when we grew up Grow as up. kids, which no, were really? sort of quite rough. Well, not everyone's mm. into turf either. And oh, of course. So they they don't realise that there's no barb on the new stuff. No, no. Oh, wow. Because if you think about it, a lot of people, you know, they might not move home a lot and their lawn is is what they've got. You know, most people don't renew their lawn area. They just, yeah, live with what they've got. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's really true. And that's interesting interesting that you say that because, you know, I mean, in the new suburbs, obviously, the old, old buffalo would be unheard of. But, you know, in more established areas, and we're in a more established area now, and I've definitely got the old buffalo out the front. Um, and it's funny because I'm so used to the soft leaf, you know, feel and that real real razor edge on the barb of the leaf is quite interesting. You know, like mm. it's not as comfortable to sit on or, no. or, you know. Yeah, it's amazing. It's quite, it is quite a rough leaf. It's really quite, yeah, it's a, when they say barb, it, that, that's a very good um, yeah. Yeah, definition because it is. It's quite barbed, you know, and, and, and yeah. 
And so, Eva, I've got a Sir Walter postage stamp size, quite a new lawn, and Kaikuyu yeah. has uh, has presented itself in this lawn. What do you recommend mm. to do? I know, yeah, exactly. Oh, Ray, when did you like? Have you got a uh, have you got a lawnmower coming in, a contractor? Yes. And that's what's happened. And God, they're going to hate me for this, but when you have a lawn mowing contractor, I could I just urge people to ask those contractors to clean their machines between mows. All right. Mm, mm. So kites will come in at a thousand miles an hour and invade your, you know, your 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 beautiful new buffalo lawn or your cooch or whatever. Mm. And from there on in, it is a nightmare to get rid of. I mean, the only way to get rid of it is to to burn it out with, you know, those those products that. Mm-hmm. People don't, want to, don't even say the name of the product at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, and interestingly enough, I'm sure the fellow that I utilise uh, does clean his blades and things. I know that behind me there's like a, I don't even know what you'd call it. There's all sorts of things. Um, Waterway a, and it, it's a walkway. Open space. Oh, yeah. Okay, so you've got seed invasion. Yeah, okay, it's okay. possible that that's the reason. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really, all you can do, how like how heavily infested is it? Is it? Starting, um, starting. And oh, I know it can only get worse. <laughs> oh, no, I know. And I've, I've got to tell you, love, get out there then with a paintbrush. Yeah. You know, like a, and I'm talking a children's paintbrush. Mm-hmm. Um, and a bit of product that you know will... Yeah, um, I know. Yeah, and it's, then you paint the leaves of that so you're yeah. not ending up with great big patches of burnt turf. So, that yeah. is a good job for you this weekend, oh, I know. I've just got visions <laughs> of myself crawling along on my belly. Yeah, that's okay. Oh. I've done it before, Ray. Don't worry, because I'm paranoid. I like to have completely uncontaminated turf. Me too. So, me too. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And uh, what were we saying? Now, what should we be doing now? What should listeners be doing with their lawns now at the end of April? Okay, so we're autumn. We're going into the autumn program. Okay, so first, the very first thing I'll say, in, in um, and to support, you know, uh, not wasting water, is to reschedule your irrigation program backwards to reflect what's happening with the temperatures um, and the overnight moisture and all that sort of thing. So uh, there's there's some pretty good guides with you know on the Water Corporation website, um, Irrigation Australia. Uh, we have a little bit on our website, but not too much. But that's the first thing I think about. Don't overwater at the moment, okay? Because you know you don't want to be going into winter with rotting um, mm. turf matter. Um, uh, so straight up, at, from now on, okay, clean debris regularly. So wake, rake, well, wake, for goodness sake, I found like I'm trying to walk at a rabbit there for a second. So um, rake your leaves up regularly. Um, as the temperature drops, you know, we know that trees and shrubs will drop their leaves. Yes. And that's just, just to let the sunlight in on the on the turf. Uh-huh. You know? so mm-hmm. Good, good that's tip. Important. Yes. Yep. Maybe do a bit of pruning around with some of those trees as well just to minimise shade. Um, you know, like just a good idea to just clean everything up so you, you don't, you know, it, everything's not struggling or fighting for light or, or water or whatever. So mm. um, uh, the worst thing that's going to happen right now is winter grass is going to start popping its head up, okay? And yeah. I'll t- look, I'm not a great one for speaking about uh, chemical usage. Yes. Um, I, don't, I think that's up to the individual what they do there. But the only way to treat winter grass realistically is to apply a, a pre-emergent um, chemical. And there are a few of those around and they're easy enough to find. Um, it's, not an, it's not an easy task. Or get out there, as like you, you were just saying with the kite, and get out there and start pulling it out as soon as you see it come, you know, ducking its head up because 
it quickly, very, very quickly can take over a turfed area. That's right. About that. Do you ever actually win that war? Oh, look, you can with regular. There are people mm. who are, you know, pedantic about doing the pre-emergent mm. and it might take three or four years, something like that. Oh. But they, they do have a fairly good win. Um, for someone like me who actually pulls the winter grass out, <laughs> I think I keep on, I, I just do a circle around the house where I start, you know, I finish and yeah. start again, basically. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, now, the other thing that I talk about at the moment is raising your mower height a little bit, just one or two notches. Don't cut the lawn as low as you have been cutting it. Um, there's a, there's a look, there's a motto that you shouldn't take off a more than a third of the leaf at any one mow anyway. Um, but just it will just help your lawn to thicken up over winter and block out weeds a bit. So just by just taking a notch, just one or two notches up, that's all. So And yeah. is it too late to fertilise now, Eva? No, no, you need to fertilise now. So okay. um, just to bring your... That way you're putting your, your lawn into winter in a really good, healthy condition. Yeah, when it goes to um, bed. Yep. When it goes to bed. So yep. if you do it now, it'll uptake the... You know, if you're going to use a slow-release fertiliser... Um, it'll give it an initial, an initial nutrient boost, okay? But then that slow deposit of nutrients over the following month, which is perfect as temperatures drop, you know, just to keep it in that lovely, you know, with a deeper colour and able to resist fungus and, and, you know, pest invasion, all of that sort of thing. Just remembering that when you're applying fertiliser on lawns, don't be over generous with that, okay? So we'd say... Um, as a rough estimate, an ice cream container of slow-release fertiliser per 100 square metres. It's it's pretty light feed. Mm, okay? It is, yeah. And, and, and then, um, I mean, look, right, right now is probably not the right time, but later coming out of winter, you know, you can get out a bit of organic um, fertiliser, a bit of dynamic lifter or turf start or something like that that just has a bit of, you know, organic uh, nitrogen. Um, and it's, there's also the kelps and carbons and, you know, all of those things that are fairly gentle, you know. Mm, um, yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I've tried that go-go juice yeah. recently. Have you tried that? Yes, I and, use it. Oh, my God. Mm. Great stuff. Yes. So anything that helps that soil biology, you know, like mm. for the, and you've heard me say it before, Faye, the zoo between, sorry, the zoo beneath our Yes, feet. yes. Um, we need to look after that zoo to look after what's you know what's going on above the ground as well. So yeah, yeah. So there's that, and you can aerate your lawn as well at the moment. You know, just uh, get out. Just if there's compacted areas after you know the summer, um, you know, people have been hammering their lawns in summer, and, and yeah. particularly when I think about it, um, uh, there's more and more. There's been more usage with with COVID nineteen than ever before of our um, natural green spaces, even in in the domestic environment. Yes. So just free the soil up because I don't know about, about you guys, but I've noticed, noticed a bit of a crust forming on the edges. And, you know, that often I think pertains to what your water type is as well. Um, so if you're using bore water, for instance, if it's very um, uh, alkaline or acidic or whatever, or if it's, it's, you know, you've got a bit of shale coming out in the water or rust or whatever, um, yeah, it makes a difference to whether there's a bit of a crispness on the top of the the uh, exposed soil, if you like. So break it up and let the let the, the food and nutrients through and the air through, more importantly. Mm-hmm. So, so a light are... fork? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just with a light pitchfork you can do that. That's not a problem. There's actually these funny little shoes that you can buy and you can walk across <laughs> Oh, <them>. yes. <laughs> a great Mother's <laughs> Day present. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Here you go, Mum. No worries. That's it. So, 
Yeah, so that's um, yeah, that's that's probably the tip for autumn lawn care at the moment. Um, and I know that we're you know kind of leading into we were going to talk about armyworm as well. Yes. Yeah. So I just wanted to, this is the time that armyworm late summer and, and uh, autumn is the time that armyworm is horrendous. You know, the numbers just build up horrendously, and we've seen a real epidemic of armyworm in the um, in the Perth metropolitan area in particular. And that all comes back to the, the rains that we've had, mm. the humidity, perfect breeding conditions, perfect breeding conditions. The, the summer know. we've had and the humidity, that, you know, is, has caused a lot of issues out there, hasn't it? Oh, disease, there's, you know, yeah. even fungus, you know, like... It's, well, I had that in my lawn too, Eva, so... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, for the first time ever, have noticed the same thing. Yeah. Um, I actually had... Uh, I have a small hothouse and I had, you know, veggies growing in there. Yeah. And um, anyway, I, I, I'd taken them out because I thought, you know what, this weather is actually, it's probably too hot in the hothouse. Too much, so yes. Mm. Too much. Took them out and I had lettuce just rot to like a, a grey mould. It was mm. amazing. I've never seen something like that. Yeah. 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 Very interesting. And so that also is the right recipe for problems like army worms, et cetera, web worms, all of that. Yeah, see, with the army worm and webworm, well, what happens is these, these creatures can fly, you know, um, from from one lawn to another, and they love nitrogen-rich new turf. So when people... Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Lucky you, right? Why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah, they love it, right? So they'll, you, get a new, you get the brand-new lawn in, and oh, then you get, the phone, you get the phone call, you know, a day after the people have um, installed their turf. Yeah. So uh, my lawn went brown overnight and literally it has, has gone brown overnight. Yes. Um, because these little buggers have come in and trooped right across the surface and, and it's literally you can hear them munch, 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 you know, and and taken out the uh, top surface of the, you know, the, they, they love that green, um, nutri- you know, nutritious tip, if you like. Anyway, they, uh, yeah, so you, look, to the point, I have to tell you this one, that we've had photos come in of, of, Plastic shopping bags full of army worm. Oh, um, pool, you know the pool skimmer filters and stuff like that. Oh yes, like a block full of army worm. Oh gosh, yeah, really horrendous, really horrendous. So, yeah, it's um, so they yeah, and many many people have complained about their their turf being um annihilated overnight. And, Absolutely. You know, then, and they think that the, the that it's come from the turf farm where, when, in fact, it yeah. hasn't come from the turf farm at all. Mm. What's happened is that the moths, the moths fly quite a long distance. Um, and what what's worse is we have a new army worm called the fall army worm who can yes. fly for miles and miles and miles. Yes. And it's, it's like they're scanning the horizon as they're flying, you know. It's, it's quite an interesting circumstance. And they... They will come in at the evening and uh, lay their eggs and everything. Well, you know, and it's a very fast cycle because of the the humidity and the nice the nice moist soil as well yeah. underneath the um yeah. So, so we've had the rain. Eva, what's yeah. the answer for people who've who've got the army worm? You have to treat it. It's as simple as that. Okay, it just the lawn will recover. Okay, if you didn't treat it right. It will recover, but it will take a long time to recover. Yeah. And you didn't, you didn't, you know, put out, you know, you didn't put, invest all that those funds for something that's going to take, you know, several months to recover. Yeah. And if we, and if it gets into public open space turf, of course you can't have that happening as well. Um, so there is a product that's not scheduled, right? It's called a cellophane. 
Now, I don't actually mind talking about a seller friend because this is an unscheduled uh, product that's not systemic, so it doesn't go through the leaf. It works through the soil, if you like, um, and it's not. It doesn't damage, uh, you know, earthworms and you know the other the zoo. The, other, the zoo <laughs> doesn't damage the zoo. Oh, it, that, it, uh... it targets cat- caterpillars, um, and yeah, so it's and it works very well as far as you know. I've seen it work. I've, you know, I've, I've, my sister's used it. My best friend has used it. Um, and you can, you know, it doesn't affect dogs as far as I'm aware. You know, mm. like I said, I don't like talking chemicals, but I know no. that this one is not, um, you know, it's an unscheduled product. So, And is it readily available? Yes, you can get it. Look, there's there's a whole heap of supplies. So we've got, you know, our, some of our turf farms have, have, have lawn shops attached to them. So if you get on the Turf Growers website, um, you can find out which turf farms have, have got, you know, sh- stores attached, that sort of thing. But there is a product in a Yates product in Bunnings, <laughs> which is quite a uh, you know quite an efficient because it's not an, it's not a cheap uh, chemical. Mm. But I think you can get a small container of liquid mesalprin um, for about thirty eight or forty dollars, and it does I think about four hundred and fifty square meters. So for the average to you know lawn owner, they'd probably get a few applications out of that. Um, okay. Or go in, go in and share it with your neighbours if you've all got a problem in, in the street. Mm, and I guess okay. neighbours would have, wouldn't they? If one person's got it, Absolutely. it's very likely to be next yeah. door. They call a mummy worm for a reason, Faye. Mm. Honestly, they, 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 and you can have several generations in, you know, active at one time. That's the interesting part of this creature. It's a bit like a joey in a pouch, and there's one up, you know, one up waiting to come down in. One on the way, yes. One on the way. So the, these guys are, are fairly aggressive players, but I'll tell you how you can... Mm. The one thing I will tell you, your, your listeners is this. You can tell if you've got armyworm or something, something similar in your turf. If you notice when you're walking across the turf, say from about 4, 4.30 in the afternoon, you know when things are just starting to... Mm. You know, like lights just starting to yes, drop? Yes. And you see little white moths come up out of the turf. They'll just... Mm. And they're not... They don't come up high. They only come up, you know, one, two feet up off the turf and then drop back down into the turf. Okay. All right. That tells you you've got them in there laying eggs, having a great yeah, old Yeah, your time. antenna needs to go up. So that's something mm. for everyone to do at mm. 4.35 o'clock today before it's <laughs> drinks time. March Get out around. there and wander around your lawn and yeah, look. Yeah. Just, and, and look, take notice. You know, I think that's what we don't do, um, Faye, very often. You are wonderful with, with regard to taking notice of of the zoo within our gardens, I you know I follow you and watch your your study on ants and, and things like that is amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I I don't think as humans we're taking much notice um, as much notice of sorry of nature as we should be. Watch yeah. what's going on. You there's a, a big story out there. You know whether there it's the ants nest a couple of inches higher or something like that, and you think, well, hang on a minute, we might be having some rain come or. Um, yeah, well, like you said, watch those moths. Now, how come they're coming up out of my turf? What's going on there, you know? Eva, I've just got goosebumps listening to you say that because I I feel that when we get these opportunities to reset and take a step back, Absolutely. that's exactly the time when people can, yeah. can take notice because presumably they've got the time. So getting up in the morning and watching the sunrise, getting out at 4.30, 5 o'clock and looking for the moths, like really acknowledging the things that you don't ordinarily have time to look at. Honestly, Faye, 
this new place here, I've been watching the wattle birds on the turf here, mm. right? Yes. And and, the, and get and, and honestly, your listeners really take notice of this, okay? There is so much activity going on. The amount of food source underneath lawns is quite incredible. So the wattle birds, you watch them, and you've probably seen it at home. They hop across, right? Mm. And then they, they dig their beak into the ground and they come up with something and then they call in somebody else and and, and then you watch them, the magpies will come in and do the same thing. Mm. It's really quite interesting, that whole ecosystem that we create. Yes. And I think we have a responsibility, you know, to do this right. Make sure the soil underneath your garden is is really healthy, is is, is fed not just with, with um, artificial chemicals, but give it carbons and, and kelps and, and all those, you know, nutritious uh, natural products that create such biodiversity that, you know, that the birds come in, that even the ibis come in or the, or the glass come in and feed off all the little seed heads on your turf or, you know, yeah, just lots of different things. And watch what nature's doing. It's yes. telling you a story. That's a See how many frogs you've got around. You know what I mean, Mark? Yes. Yeah. Such a great message, Eva. Thank you. I think we're going to have to leave it there. We've run out of time, but thank you oh. so much for talking to us today. It's been lovely. Always a pleasure. I love it. Very love inspiring. It. Thank you, Eva. You look Take after care. yourself. Bye. Cheers. You too. Take care, Bye. all right? Stay yeah. safe. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, and we'll be back after this. Curtain Radio. Okay, you're listening to Let's Talk Gardening with Ray and Faye. Now, as promised, we have a $75 gift voucher to give away from Bigger Trees. Uh, Compliments of Kerry Sprig up in Pickering Brook there. Now, it is the most immaculate nursery I've ever been to. Bigger Trees specialise in frangipanis and fruits, trees, ornamentals, huge variety of other plants as well. Just to mention that they are closed tomorrow, as a lot of nurseries and a lot of places will be. Um, if they're not already closed, uh, because of Anzac Day. So I know that Bigger Trees is open today and they're open on Monday as well. Now, here's my question. You must have not won a prize in the last 28 days and be a Curtin FM member. In regular fertilisers, what nutrients do the letters N, P and K stand for? In regular fertilisers, what nutrients do the letters N, P and K stand for? Quite an easy one for you today. Give Bev a call, 94841927, and you could have yourself a fabulous $75 gift voucher. You look like you're busting to say something. No, no, Ray. I, I couldn't think of anything better to do. And, of course, is that essential, going out and yes. buying plants? Yes. <laughs> I, I thought so too, and I thought the coffee shop being open this morning was certainly essential. I love that we're classed as essential workers. We, we are we are essential workers. We've got it from the university, didn't we? We've got our little yes. letters to support us as essential workers, absolutely. No, my regular coffee spot is closed because it's adjacent to a nursing home, but I do know of an excellent drive through on the way and not the one everyone's thinking. This is a, a really nice quality coffee and I thought, okay, I'm going to take a chance. I left a little bit earlier from home to make my pilgrimage to the coffee shop. You know, that's our heart starter, isn't it? Well, it is. My taste buds get warmed up when I leave home in the morning and and I was heading up onto Berrigan Drive thinking, oh, is coffee an essential service? Yes. Yes, yes. That would kept, I think that's what kept us mm. going through the last lockdown and, the, and last year was the fact that the one thing you could do was at least go and get yourself a cup of coffee.
Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, we already have a winner. That didn't take long at all, listeners, so thank you very much. I'll announce who that is, but we do already have a winner to the... Uh, gift voucher from Bigger Trees. Now, Rita of Made It Avail called in. She loved listening to Eva. Uh, we did too. Could you please spell the product she mentioned uh, for Army Worms? So, yes, we'll have to get I've the, got it. You've got it. Okay. That's why I probably looked like I was busting to say something. Okay. Right. It's a celeprin. A C E L E P R Y N. A celeprin. Okay. Okay. Yes, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Okay, now nine four eight four one nine two seven. We might squeeze in another email if you've Absolutely. got. Absolutely, on the subject of lawn or not lawn, Alec has written in and said he doesn't want to lawn. So, what is the best ground cover that needs no cutting and very little water? Well, I've come up with a few solutions for Alec. And um, you just have to check what what the water requirements are. And often when you buy herbs at the garden centre, it will say wet or dry, indicating what the water tolerance is is required. Uh, So we've got Dichondra, which which is a great lawn substitute or in amongst lawn. If you've got a shady, damp area, it Mm. will grow very well. Uh, Lawn chamomile, pennyroyal. Brahmi, Creeping Thyme and Corsican Mint. Now, I'm not sure, Alec, how much wear and tear is required, but I do remember seeing at one of the open gardens I went to uh, a product that was like a rubber matting that was quite open and it allowed herbs to spread but also gave a buffer so that you could walk on it without squashing the plants. So the cells in between had um you know the the roots were able to grow and that just helped access foot traffic on an area of garden Mm. or lawn area okay Mm. all right now we do have a winner which is julie wade from brentwood the question was in regular fertilizer what nutrients do the letters n p and k stand for and the answer is n equals nitrogen P equals phosphorus and K equals potassium. Thanks for playing with us, Julie. And hey, uh, we'll we'll send you that voucher this week. And when you uh, toodle off to spend it, give us a call and let us know what you got. We like to know (laughs) because we're sticky beaks. Okay, 94841927. We can go to a quick break. And then would you like to play your little happy talk song? I would love to. Okay, we shall do that. Curtain Radio. And that was Happy Talk, <laughs> Juanita Hall. And that was Faye's pick this morning, keeping the mood and the tone light and bright and happy talk. We hope that's what we do provide here on Curtain Radio and certainly on Let's Talk Gardening. We're going to Hamilton Hill. Stan, good morning. Good morning. How are you? We're good. good. Thanks, Thank Stan. You. Yeah, okay. Uh, very quickly, about a year ago, I bought on the same day from Bonin's I, uh, a uh, camellia and a uh, magnolia uh, tree. Um, I've had them a year, as I say. Um, I've got the magnolia tree in a position. I took a big honeysuckle bush out, put that in its place. It's definitely growing, and it takes, like, late afternoon sun, so I'm aware that it's not taking the full, you know, blinding sun. Yes. Um, As regards the magnolia, the uh, camellia, that's in a corner that I'm thinking is 
maybe too dark. It gets no sun at all. And yet there are flower buds on that one. Um, it's That's one of those with the frilly outer uh, flowers on, you know, like a frilly flower. Well, there's um, there's two types, a sasanqua and a japonica. The japonica blooms are bigger and... Yes. Um, one. Yeah, Deponica, okay, one. and more shade tolerant. So that's the better of the two. They're growing. They look very healthy and dark green leaves. And I planted the uh, gardenia in the appropriate mix. You know, I dug a hole and uh, Gardenia, the, uh, gardenia or camellia. The the um, sorry, camellia. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've got some gardenias in the garden. <laughs> um, so what I'm getting at is that. What could I do to enhance both of them? Is there a special? I know you can buy camellia mix, yes, uh, fertilizer, uh, but I just wonder if it's it gets no sun at all. So w- will it survive and flower well? Does flower buds well, on it? Stan, it sounds like from what you've described, healthy green leaves and flower buds. So yes. it certainly sounds Going like in the right direction, you're do- doing very yeah. well. Uh, you yeah. could add compost to your soil. Uh, yeah. As far as if it was in a pot, there are specialist potting mixes. No, it's in the ground. Okay. In the ground. Yeah, yeah. But they, um, the camellias particularly are acid-loving plants and you're in Hamilton yeah. Hill. So yeah. adding, it's very hard to change pH, but just keeping an eye on that to make sure that it is happy and yeah. a, a fertiliser for flowering and flowering and fruiting plants would be ideal. Okay. So often... Right. You know, they might be marketed as for azaleas and roses and camellias. Yeah, yeah. When the flowers, they, they both had flowers on them when I bought them. Uh, that's why I bought them, because they were such stunning-looking flowers. The the um, magnolia tree that I hope is going to grow, um, that was absolutely, I think it was called, uh, one of them was called caviar. Oh. I don't know now whether it was the, uh, whether it was the, uh, Camellia or the um, magnolia, but the flower was stunning. It took my breath away. I thought, I've got to have that in the garden. <laughs> That's what happens to us, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, the, uh, the the magnolia tree, as I said, it is in a position where it does get sort of afternoon sun from about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you know, facing the ocean type of thing as the sun's going down. And that, that is growing and it's very, very healthy looking dark green leaves, as I say, shiny leaves. No flower buds on that one though at the moment. But it has grown some new branches. Okay. It's, it's probably it's probably getting on for a metre high now, whereas it was probably about 600 high when I bought it. I was, it was quite established. They weren't cheap, you know, I don't want to lose them. Stan, I, I don't think you've got a problem there. I think you're doing all the right things and keep an eye on it. Bit of compost and mulch and and occasional fertiliser. And what about water? What do they like as regards the water? Do they like a lot or just a bit? Or They need enough. They need adequate moisture. And the best way to tell if they're getting enough is to dip your finger in the ground. Uh, yes. you, to, to help with that, uh, a product that's got uh, clay and or a wetting agent to ensure yes. that your soil is holding moisture. But certainly the addition of compost can help yeah. Add, yeah, and keep moisture in the soil. Yeah, well, I think I think that'll be okay because over the years I've added lots of compost. I've got a veggie patch next ah. to it as well, so I'm always chucking straw down and manure, and yeah. you know. So, 
I all think right. it should be all right on that one. Everything well, else in that piece of ground by it is going fabulous. Fantastic. Uh, so. Good on you, Stan. We have to go to the 9 o'clock news. Yes. Okay, love. Thank Cheers you Cheers for much. that. Thanks for Thank the call. You. Bye for now. Partly cloudy today, heading for a maximum of 28. It's currently 19.4 degrees. And tomorrow it will be mostly sunny with a maximum of 27. The minimum overnight will be 13. And on Monday, mostly sunny again. The the minimum overnight will be 12 degrees and the maximum will be 28. So great gardening weather. Let's go straight to Bayswater. Christine, thanks for waiting. Hi, Christine. Okay, yes, yes, I'm here. Um, I've got a problem with summer, or they were here in spring as well, with grasshoppers. Yes. <laughs> they, they're pretty all-rounder, aren't they? <laughs> yes, unfortunately. Seasonal all-rounder. It's a great idea to lay, lay their eggs or whatever they mm. do in several of my plants. So I've got heaps of, of gra- baby grasshoppers and they, they keep coming. I'm literally running out of containers to hold them and put them in the garbage bin. But is there something I can put Really? Are they yes. that bad? How big are they, Christine? Some are small. Yes. The, the young ones have horizontal striped legs. Okay. And the, the big ones, they're great, uh, sort of brownie greenish. Yes. Um, Me- almost mechanical looking, aren't they? Yes, yes. They're... Mm. I, w- I wouldn't say they're, they're watching me go around the garden to see how much they can warm up in the sun. But, mm. I- oh God, I've got over 20 of them. Oh, I've given gosh. up counting. Right, so okay. Is there something I can put down each plant to deter them from laying their babies? The only product I'm aware of, Christine, and I don't know whether Faye agrees with me, is Eco-Neem oil as right. a deterrent. Okay, yes, because... I'm sick of yeah. just catching grasshoppers. I'm, I'm getting paranoid. And they do a lot of damage. Yep. They do. They mm. do. Yes. And the yes. other the other thing that we've uh, heard more about recently, when Cathy Hubble was on a couple of weeks ago, she talked about a lactobacillus serum, which ah. is a like a probiotic for your soil Mate, yeah. and garden plants. Made with molasses. And it, you can put molasses in it or mm. sugar, but I, I'd probably opt with the molasses because yes. it's too much sugar for them, I understand, and they're not interested then in eating mm. your leaves because they're too healthy. So, <laughs> so no, you could maybe no. whip up a batch of that. But last weekend, um, actually, there was a podcast from two weeks ago now, and we we talked all about it. And there was a link to the serum under the Facebook post on Curtain Radio. Ah, right. Mm. So it's just. Well, it's based on a rice wash. So Mm. when you're cooking up rice and you rinse it, the water that comes from the rinsing, you let sit in a bucket for a few days and it creates Uh layers. And then you take the middle layer and then you value add it with something like molasses. But the whole recipe is there and it can take a few days or longer to make. And you Mm -hmm. spray that over your garden and it's, it's a tonic. Or a probiotic, what? and it's got mega benefits. Grand. Thank you very much. It's You're welcome. Curtain, it's, a, it's a website on Curtain Radios. On the Facebook page, mm-hmm. 
yep. under one of the posts. So if you went to the photos on the Facebook page, mm-hmm. I put up a, a garden photo each week and mm-hmm. a link, there's probably a link to the podcast there as yeah. well as a recipe in the comments. So Curtain Radio mm-hmm. Facebook page, Christine, scroll through and look for Let's Talk Gardening. Thank you. Okay. Thank Good you. luck. Thank you. Very much. Thank Thank you. you. Cheers yeah. for that. Bye. Bye. Okay. And as promised, we're speaking to the National Marketing Manager at Rich Grow, Heath Oakley. Good morning, Heath. How's it going? Hello, Ray. Hello, Ray. How are you? Hi. Very good. Thank you. How, how are things going for you? Uh, it was really good until probably yesterday. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little blip. We yeah, we haven't heard anything yet, but we're, mm. we're going to hopefully um, go ahead as normal in the, in the Garden Festival and hopefully everyone can come out um, and be there Thursday to Sunday, but we'll wait and see. We just have to play it by ear. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about all the plans in progress. <laughs> <laughs> Well, everything's in progress. I think they started, um, I think the festival site is up and running at Langley Park there at the moment. So they started doing the fencing and all that sort of stuff. So hopefully with the new location, it would be a really good, um, really good show. Yes. And you've got a big presence at the Perth Garden Festival next weekend too. Yeah, we we find it important as... um, a family business, 106 years, obviously, um, wow. and based in WA from humble beginnings in Cannington and, and now out of Canningvale, we, f- we find it very important to be part of the Perth gardening scene um, and, and give back to the community as much as we can. So we like being involved. We love talking to people on our stands and, and it's just a great um, show all round. Um, oh, it sure there. is, so yes. We try, we try and, um, you know, it went through a couple of years where it was probably a bit quiet, but I think mm. the last couple of years has really, really expanded. And turned around, you know. hasn't it? And uh... I, I think so. And, and we, we hope we can play a big part of that. So we like to have a lot of people, have our stand, have a lot to do on our stand. So whether you want to ask about gardening advice or you just want to buy some products or you want to take away kids planting and, and, and keep them entertained for half an hour. Um, so what is the... win a prize. You've, you've got kids' activities there yeah yeah we've um we've got some um herbs and and basil that we like to plant and um the kids can come along and we've got a little pot for them to take away and some stickers and they can come and learn and learn to to pot a little basil and take it home and hopefully take care of it oh well let me who need who need um half an hour break bring them along to the rich grow stand and we'll we'll help them out well let me tell you basil (laughs) is one of my favorite plants for a lot of reasons but it's a great companion plant to have amongst your roses or your vegetable garden because it brings in beneficial pollinators but it's also a trap plant for beneficial predators so yeah yeah. oh perfect top plant so especially around autumn, and it sort of grows all year round, as we know. Um, it's sort of a plant that we, we try and do because winter's obviously a harder time to, to keep these um, plants thriving, but um, it's very simple for the kids, and, and hopefully they can come along and have a bit of fun with that. Very good. And you've got a daily giveaway. Yeah, we. Um, if you look at in the West Australian this week, there should be a lift out. Um, you can take. I'm not sure if I can mention the West Australian there. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> um, you, you can take out um, the coupon and you can sign it and come into our stand and, and place it. We've got a daily giveaway about $250 worth of garden products. So anything from potty mix all the way up to your pest control fertilisers. Um, everything your garden needs will last you for the year, and we'll do give one of those away. Um, 
daily. So we draw it out about four o'clock and contact the winner. So if you don't have the um, entry forms, come to our stand. We'll have some on the stand there. Come mm, very to nice. Our, um, our staff and our horticulturalists there and um, you can enter the competition. And so how many talks will you be holding under the Rich Gross stand, Heath? Uh, so the Rich Grow stands there, it's, it's part of the main stage, yes. so we sponsor the main stage there. So I think there's talks every half an hour from 10, when it opens at 10, to when it closes at 4. So um, we, our brand ambassador, Charlie Alban, is obviously um, all things being equal coming over. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Fingers crossed. That will be a sensational draw card. Yeah, so people can come and talk to him on our stand and ask him advice and take photos with him if, if they're so inclined. Yeah. He's also on the stage um, two times a day as we're talking about his te- top ten gardening tips. Ooh, like that. Um, which he gets asked all the time. So. Yeah, I bet he does. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So I think what I can't, um, off the top of my head, what's that, there's two an hour, so that's you know, you know, nearly 10 to 12 talks a day. And lots of people giving... Lots of different sorts of information. So always very interesting, isn't it? You can to, spend all go, day there just can. wandering around. And well, one day's not enough, Ray. It's not. I know that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I hear there's lots of plant growers, so obviously indoor plants are still a very hot topic and, and yes. trendy, especially now in, in, in lockdown. We look after them a little bit more. Um, hmm. yeah. But there's also native, native plant growers, there's some landscape garden designs. Um, and come to the Rich Grow Stand. We're, we're all about growing your own food um, this this autumn, so planting your veggies, looking after them. I heard about the call just before about the pests and how you can control them. There's all, a number of different ways, but we like to go the organic and natural route there, so companion planting, a mm-hmm. bit of hard work, and picking the caterpillars off, and then we have some natural sprays if so needed. Fantastic. And I believe we've also got two tickets to give away to the Perth Garden Festival, thanks to Rich Grow. Yes, happy to happy to give some tickets away. Um, I think that's going to go on your Facebook page. Is that correct? Uh, we haven't talked about how we're going to give that, so I'll talk, I'll talk to Ray about that in the break. But yes, yeah, thank you very much for that because no, to be we're... able to give our listeners the opportunity to get along and and support our local growers and. Um, Nurserymen? Yes, exactly. And I, I think if people, when your listeners come along, they'll be very surprised, that, as you said, that the day that can just drift by. Oh, looking yes. At plants, looking at products. Oh, fantastic. Um, there's, there's some other suppliers there. So, you know, so sort of um, all the garden suppliers are there. Um, little knickknacks for your garden, I just think. And once once you go once, I think you'll be a regular visitor oh, every year. I think it will be the biggest and the best so far. I, I go for the people too. You know, I go along mm. and I catch up with the storeholders and you've got everyone in one place and of course the show gardens as well yes so that's my favorite yeah. part actually the show gardens well do you know this mm. year open gardens west coast are actually yeah. putting together a display as well so that's exciting um i believe there's there's other um options as well so they're, they're doing gin gin um, tasting afterwards so there's separate tickets to be sold to that as well and that comes along you can see the show gardens at night yes that would be nice (laughs) yeah i think the night time would be really lovely and i think what there's a bar there uh there's you know it's 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 far more sophisticated than it has been in the past high teas i believe 
Oh, we're so lucky, aren't we? Yeah. Great yeah, venue, great you, venue my, too. The favourite, favourite part of my of the show there is talking to all our customers and talking to just gardeners yeah, coming in. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of people who support not only this, the gardening, but Rich Grow come in and just say hello. Yeah. Um, and that's that makes the day um, fun for all, all concerned. So. Fingers crossed. We're looking forward to it very much. <laughs> we, we didn't even talk about that, but let's let's keep positive and, yes. and hope the show goes ahead. Well, exactly. do you know one thing I've noticed, Heath, and that is with gardeners, they just focus on an event and all we do have to do is imagine uh, a fantastic event with people everywhere, lots of happy faces, sunshine, and that collective energy will have the festival um, having one of its best years. Yeah, well, I hope so. We missed it last year as well. So, you know, we I think um, we've, as yeah, as a collective gardening society in Perth here, we, we, we probably owed it. Um, and I think that's a really good way to look at it. Let's be positive and, and see everyone there Thursday or Sunday or Saturday or Friday. <laughs> Fantastic. Hey, thank you very much. And we'll be in touch about those tickets later. Yeah, happy to give away two tickets and, and some garden products with it as well. Oh, oh great. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Heath. We'll talk to you later. Lovely to talk to you both. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Take care. All the best. Okay. And we are heading to Kundula. Noel, good morning. Good morning. How are you, ladies? Well, Very good. Thanks, Noel. How can we help you? Um, I've been listening this morning about the moths and the worms in the lawn. Yes. Um, but I was wondering if ants can do the same thing. Here in Kundula, we're absolutely covered with ants. They're mm. everywhere. And I've got buffalo lawn um, and I get brown patches everywhere. And I was wondering um, if ants could do that as well. Oh, they sure can, Noel. And I, I went into quite a um, research frenzy a couple of years ago because I had them in a big way through my paving, through my lawn. Mm. And I I respect ants, but there are introduced species that don't have any benefit or don't provide any benefit to our gardens. And in fact, they nuke our other biota so they can take over an area. And the thing about ants, once they start tunnelling, they build chambers that are, um, it, it just won't accept water and they're very good at it. And the problem is that you can knock out one colony, but then the next lot move in. So it can be an ongoing problem. Now, one of the first things to do is get them identified. So catching some of those ants on a piece of sticky tape, yep. attaching them to a piece of white paper and putting them in your freezer because the ag department uh, workers that, look at the ants don't like looking at live or half you know damaged ants so make sure they're dead so they will identify them and when you know what type of ant you've got then you can target a product that will work on those ants Oh, okay. Um, um, I did spray the lawn with that um, sea salt for lawns. Okay. And it came. It came really good again, and then now it's just starting to go back to what it was before. Yeah, mm. ants. If the ants are still there, um, sometimes they need repeated um, treatments. And and I actually went to some professionals to treat ants in my lawn because I just wasn't winning, and and I've. Yeah, I have struggled with them and 
that was a big help. So, oh, okay, well, that's really great. Thank you for mm. that. Um, uh, and I know what you're saying. We've got them under the patio, you know, like in the paving bricks, and yep. they're all around the pool, and yeah, they're everywhere. So, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, don't don't give up on them. Keep working at it, and um, yeah, work out what's best for you to treat them. All right, no worries. Thank you very much. Have a great weekend. You, you too. too. Thanks, Noel. Okay, bye. Okay, 94841927. We will be back in a moment. Curtain Radio. You are listening to Let's Talk Gardening, 23 minutes after nine. We have John Glidden in the studio with us. Hey, John, nice morning, for you to join everyone. us. Good morning. Good morning. We, we shall chat to you in just a sec. You've got some good information for us. I. One of those things, a very simple question, turns into a very complicated <laughs> answer. Every time. We like going down rabbit holes, don't we? Okay, we're in South Beach chatting with Ian. Good morning. Oh, good morning, girls. A, a question regarding some vines that I've got at my place in South Beach. Yes. I have no idea what's happened there. I so. think Ian just put us on hold. I think I think he did. I think we went to his uh, uh, his phone music or something. Okay, Ian, uh, ring us back. So carry on. Right. Well, we had the call earlier today about companion planting for potatoes, and I thought, oh, it sounds simple enough. And there's good, there's bad, uh, there's mutually beneficial. So if we start with some of the bad ones, what not to plant, and raspberries, tomatoes, cucumbers, they uh, make it more susceptible to blight if planted with potatoes. Mm. So that's better, you know. Uh, carrots, asparagus, fennel will stunt the growth of your potatoes. Uh, and potato plants should not be planted in the same spot where eggplant tomato or anything in the nightshade family has previously been planted which i think most people are aware of yes uh cabbage corn beans will improve the growth and taste of your potatoes uh horseradish as a companion plant will make the potatoes resistant to diseases all right uh lettuce and spinach uh can be planted and that's a space saving thing because they don't compete with the potato for nutrients so they can be planted close together. Uh, you can attract beneficial insects with chamomile, basil, yarrow, parsley, and thyme. Uh, oh, there's also sage will keep flea beetles away. <laughs> Nasturtiums, coriander, tansy, catmint will uh, deter potato beetles. But the uh, the old farmer's favourite marigolds deter harmful pests from the potato plants protects them from viral and bacterial diseases. Ah, we were on to it, Ray. You definitely, <laughs> marigolds, the good old farmer's favourite. <laughs> yes, and there's so many different types of marigolds too. Mm. There's the gorgeous little annual ones, but there's mm. also a one of the perennial cottage plants, mm. uh, taggarties, I can't remember the, the other name, but mm. it has a beautiful passion mm. fruit smell when the leaves are crushed. Right. Oh, gorgeous. Mm. But there's one I've never heard of, lamium. Which is a, sort of a false yeah. nettle type thing, mm. quite attractive, but uh, will actually deter harmful insects. Lamium <laughs> so, is a, is is, a, is a, mm. like a like, little bit of like a ground cover, and it does need to be grown in shade. Yes, but mm. yeah, uh, d 
okay attracting beneficial but deterring harmful ones is just as important mm. so there's a whole range of them right and, uh, you know a simple question like oh what's a good companion plant <laughs> <laughs> well thank you for that john Appreciate. that's just a mine of information it's yeah well probably explains why none of my potatoes grew <laughs> <laughs> back to the drawing board too close to my raspberries i think uh, thank <laughs> you very well. much okay and while you. we have you here thank oh. you for all you do we appreciate you oh it, it's you know a wonderful thing to do i, I love looking up these things and learning what, what will go in my garden and, yes you know, and you know my problem is Faye makes it all sound too easy <laughs> she answers these questions right off the top of her head for something like the potato companions i'm i'm searching for online it's just oh, to come up with you, what John. she really knows anyway and it's just giving me <laughs> something to do <laughs> yeah i just want you to make me look good <laughs> but no thank you because each week after our show you go home and you continue working you put mm -hmm. together the podcast yes um mm -hmm. you answer the curly questions this week we tasked you with uh coming up with the logo so you got straight on to it and um, yeah, that. looking no. for, for a header for the podcast so that we can share yeah. the Always information. Always supporting everything behind right. the scenes. And, and you, know, make, you know, keeping an eye on the emails every day is... Uh, yes. Always interesting. I, again, I, our listeners are just so... Lovely. Well, they're knowledgeable in themselves. Yes. I love the ones who send in the... You know, oh, I don't have a question. I'm just showing off. <laughs> <laughs> we love that. We love show-offs. That's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. and, and what you were saying about the winners of the competitions, I'd love to, for them to send pictures of what they... Yes. And, and how it fits into their garden. Exactly. Yeah, we need to know. Definitely. We need, need to know how they... Well, you know, what productivity comes from their voucher. Yeah. For sure. Love it. Okay. Yep. Thanks, John. Okay. We head to South Beach. We've got Ian back again. Are you there, Ian? I am this time. Sorry, the line dropped out. We were talking pruning grapevines in May. Oh, okay. Um, well, I wouldn't prune a grapevine in May. The best time to prune your grapevines is after they've dropped all of their leaves. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I understand that. I'll be away in through the winter, and I thought you know, if I prune them in May, it's, you know, three months early, am I going to do them any harm? Well, the sap is still rising, so mm. it's yeah. Can can you do it later, like even August? Oh, I'll be in Darwin, but uh, <laughs> I can organise that. So I'll get somebody to do it for me. All good. Mm. I'm, you okay. know, you you won't kill them by cutting them back early, sure. uh, but yeah. the. The best Not time to do them is when they have lost all the leaves. Sure. Okay. I appreciate the tip. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Ian. Thanks. Cheers, Cheers, Ian. Bye, -bye. Bye for now. Bye. And we do have some free lines. And uh, oh, and as soon as I said that, a couple of lines have uh, already lit up. We all take that cuppa for granted, but not the homeless of Perth. Once again, Curtain Radio has come on board to help the Perth Homeless Support Group with some desperately needed tea and coffee supplies. And whilst we have done a fabulous job so far, they do need more. We are seeking further donations of tea bags, small jars of coffee and long life milk during the months of April and May. If you would like to give the homeless a cuppa, please drop off your donations directly to the Perth Homeless Support Group at 28A Mount Street, Bayswater, between 10 and 2pm, between 10am and 2pm. So that's 28 Mount Street, Bayswater, weekdays, or into the radio station here during work business hours. And we thank you for your ongoing support. And please know it's the little things in life that can make a world of difference. How true is that?
It certainly is the little things in life, Ray. And, you know, this morning I was thinking about what we can do to to be happy, to make ourselves feel happy. And sometimes it's music and music brings people together, but it it connects people too. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. And I know through the COVID period last year, and it has continued on, uh, radio is just a fabulous companion for people be it in the background or whether people are listening to it as a foreground like they would be right now because they're listening to what we're saying. Uh, it's it's it exploded in the last 12 months, you know, the, the actual uh, medium of radio simply through uh, what it gives people. Well, music's amazing. You know, in Curtain Radio, we know plays fantastic Fabulous music. music. Yes. But as you know, I was at an event last night where one of our uh, local entertainers, Michael Barbaro, was mm. singing and... He was doing a, a tribute to Ken Judge at the East Fremantle Football Club. Yeah. And he does a show called Reminiscing and he plays some incredible music, you know. He he sang an Ed Sheeran song and it was half in Italian. Oh, my goodness, so Ray. Good. It was so moving. Mm. Um, but we've been a couple of times now and to be able to sing along to the words mm. or or dance to songs, mm. you know, mm. sung by people like Roy Orbison and mm. Elvis, you know, music it's, does bring people together. It makes you feel good. Nostalgic. Oh, mm. it's just, it's uplifting. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now we are in Inner Lou. We're talking about a rose. Cheryl, hi. Hi, thanks for talking to me. We have a climbing rose, a climbing sympathy. It is going absolutely mad. It's climbed all over the trellis and everywhere, but it doesn't have any roses. And it's been in now about, well, probably 12 months, 15 months. But um, just no roses, just a lot of growth. Okay, so a climbing rose, Cheryl, uh, what their, their aim is, they need to get up. So... A climbing rose, when it's planted in the ground, will aim to climb up whatever it's got access to in order to produce flowers. Now, what you ideally would do is train some of the branches coming off the main stem so that they're horizontal. So if it's climbed... We've done. We've acclimated roof over our outdoor area with these... Branch, uh, branches of the rose. Okay, so once they go up, uh, and even as they're going up, so if it's um, a trellis, it's going probably two meters up in the air. Anything coming out from the the main stem, train it to go laterally, so it's yeah. it's horizontal. Now the shoots produced off that are the ones that will produce flowers. And once it gets right. up to the top and lays flat, and you may need to tie it down, the the shoots that come off that main stem will then go up and flower. So I'm not sure particularly when that one does flower because some of the heritage roses are different to your normal standard roses. Some of them will only have a, a blooming time and it might be different to other roses right so, so we'll just keep persevering because we are actually making a roof out of the ones that are shooting up and climbing going lateral now so um okay we'll just wait and see it probably is just a matter of time um i i will have a look at that one particularly to see if it has a different flowering time and you just must make sure that you don't prune it at the wrong time 
so I'm ahead to prune it. Um, prune, remove spent flowers and dead wood as they occur. Pruning is best performed during July when the rose is dormant. Okay, that that would be fine. But yes, train it so that you're encouraging the vertical ones off horizontal ones. Good. Okay, then. All right. Keep trying. Okay. Thank Good you luck, much Cheryl. For your help. You're Thank welcome. You. Bye. Cheers Bye. for that. And also next weekend, I have a message here from the Gosnells Horticultural Society. There's the annual Autumn Flower Show on the 1st and 2nd of May uh, at the Addy Mill Centre, which is 2 Astley Street in Gosnells. Now, it is a flower competition as well. Uh, the doors open on Saturday from 1pm to 5pm and on Sunday from 10am until the sale of flowers at 4.30pm. So it is actually a flower competition as well. Uh, good to go along and have have a look. I know a lot of people will be interested in that. There is morning and afternoon teas. It's free entry uh, and it's not restricted to members. And uh, yeah, looks like a, a lovely weekend activity. It's the 70th annual Autumn Flowers Show. So it's the 1st and 2nd of May next weekend at the Addy Mills Centre from the Gosnells Horticultural Society. All right, let's head to South Lake. Nola, hi. Hi, good morning, girls. Morning, um, Nola. Thanks for calling back. That's okay. Um, I have um, a staghorn, um, which is probably, I don't know, 10 or 15 years old, but I've just noticed on the rear side of the leaf or the back of the leaves, is there's like this rust. And yes. it's actually removing, like, the bottom seal of the leaf, if that makes sense. Okay, anything. yep. Mm. There's there's two things that could be. One, it could yep. be spore because... No, it's not. No, okay, it's not, no, all right. No, it's not spore, Faye. Then what it probably is is the elk horn tip moth, and this is a little moth that lays its eggs and the little tiny caterpillars do damage. Um uh, these renew regularly, so what you can do is remove all the damaged ones or cut the tips off. I, I recently went through around my elk horns and removed all the, the daggy-looking ones and just yeah. left the, the new fresh ones. Oh, okay, okay. So so will that just stop the continual um, of it being on the leaves, you know, the, more, the new leaves? or It won't, well... It won't stop them from coming back or occurring again, but it is no. unsightly, so remove them and then your plant will look better and it will produce new ones. Okay, then. All right, then. Thanks for that. You're welcome, Nola. Cheers. Bye. And we're in Mosman Park. We're chatting with Eva. Good morning. Hi, Eva. Hello. 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 <laughs> How are you? I'm excellent, thank you very much. And I've got two reasons for phoning. Firstly, I um, won the Bigger Tree voucher last week, and I haven't received it yet, but I will get back to you um, when I have been able to go out to um, Pickering Book and um, and buy something wonderful for it. So I'll just um, thank you very, very much. It has been sent, Eva. I can vouch for that. So yeah, Yes, uh, I'm sure. Yes, probably roll in on about Tuesday, I'd say. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, that's the one thing. The other thing is, um, regarding this um, dreaded um, chili thrips, um, it has just absolutely done havoc with my uh, ten rose bushes, and well, two of them are actually climbers. 
and um, it has stunted the growth of the climbers totally. Um, they were well on the way of uh, growing up to um, where they could form lateral branches, but that's all gone now. So I had to I cut off the um, infected um, areas, and I hope that they will um, that I haven't stunted them for forever uh, from growing up. I, I don't think you will have stunted them forever, Eva. Uh, it's a it's a funny thing, this chili thrip. And you know what? I was looking at a Facebook post from four years ago when the pot- potato tomato salad struck. Mm. And, you know, we don't hear a, a lot about that now. It's new pests um, are a bit of a problem in that the beneficial bugs that we rely on don't necessarily recognise them immediately. It takes time for things to get back in balance. Uh, What you have to be careful of is that you don't take too much off your rose because it needs some of its leaves, even if they're distorted, to photosynthesise. Now, the good news is with the cooler weather, particularly the overnight cooler temperatures, the pest cycle slows down. Now, what we know about the chili thrip is it likes really hot conditions and dry conditions. So hosing your your foliage regularly will discourage it from being there. It won't eradicate it altogether. Um, some of the treatments, if you wanted to use treatments, uh, my recommendations would be eco oil with eco neem. And this was recommended by Steve Falcioni a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, the lactobacillus serum, that would probably be my top choice uh, for encouraging new resistant growth and and helping the soil. Um, there are systemic sprays that will go into the plant, but you have to also drench the soil. And, you know, that's not, not my... Um, preferred option but I think if you ride it out Eva I think the cooler weather will be of benefit and the the plants as long as the root system's okay the framework's okay as long as there's leaves on the plant they will ride it out okay so this is for my climbers but the others they were so badly affected and I um, it has been said to cut off the affected areas um, which which I've done yesterday, and they are almost um, it's almost like a winter prawn now. Mm. And um, so I was, and I've bundled up the um, the um, prunings and put them into black plastic. And um, so I leave them out in the sun. Is it for one or two weeks? Well, I think they say a few weeks. Uh, mm. Okay. So I was now going to, um, I listened to a program when you were speaking to the uh, gentleman of um, the Melville Rose Gardens and he actually suggested a systemic spray, which I have been able to find out what it was and I bought it. So I was now going to just for now, this once, to to use that on, on the roses and the ground around them just so that this is gone. And um, yes, and then hope that um, because the weather is not so hot anymore, that new growth will appear and that it will not be affected. Well, oh, there's so much to this, Eva. And, you know, we can all 
give our opinions based on what our position in life is. And most people mm. would know that I'm for the benefit of Your the soil mm. and mm. and garden. So mm. I don't want to use anything toxic at all. I don't mm. want to use anything that's going to damage any of the wildlife in my garden. Um, and the thing about the chili thrip is it's very active and it has a fast life cycle in really hot weather. So it's mm -hmm. a turnaround time of about two weeks. As the weather cools down, that pushes out to about 30 days. So it slows down. Now, when I prune my roses, I'm only deadheading the tips. I, I'm not looking for fantastic growth and new flowers and like the problem's gone away. I just want them to hang in there. Thrips can, these thrips can be found on up to 150 plant species. So if you're going to treat your roses, what else have you got in your garden that could be affected? And this includes citrus. So I think I found evidence of a chili thrip on one of my citrus the other day. Yes, me too. So, it's a tiny, a, a tiny new uh, lemon tree yeah. and I think that was affected yeah. as well. And, and they move very freely. So uh -huh. unless you're going to do your whole garden, I don't mm -hmm. know that you're going to don't get see rid the of point. it. And, mm. and it'll be back in 30 days. It'll be on something okay. else. It'll be on a neighbour's garden. I can't tell everyone what to do. And my no. advice is probably contradictory to someone who's a commercial rose grower or, yes, or growing that. them for blooms. We've had... Uh, John's put together a compilation uh, that is available on podcast from our website and we had discussions two weeks ago about the benefits of helping your plants and soil. This was with Ellen yeah. from Earthwile and Kathy from Biotiful and, you know, that just makes my heart sing. That's the way I would go because I don't want to harm anything in the garden. Birds, mm. bees, you name it. Yeah. Okay, so if I leave that other stuff aside for now and get some eco oil and eco neem um, and just hope that my roses will shoot again. <laughs> In the, I, I haven't fertilized them uh, for a while now because that wasn't uh, the thing to do. Um, yeah, I, I agree. They are mulched and I'm using... Um, um, uh, so Eva, we have to go to a break, love. Yes. So um, yeah, keep listening. Uh, but you're you're heading on the right path with what you're suggesting. Okay. Thank you very Thank much you. for all your help. All oh, the best. Good Thank luck, you. Eva. Bye for now. Okay. Yes, that was to be expected. Unfortunately, we did get to our sponsor break uh, too late, which is my fear. We're talking about orange trees. Lynn, good morning. Morning, Lynn. Good morning. Good morning, Faye and Ray. Morning. Um, this, this is our third year here, and we have a Washington um, orange tree. And much to my shock, it's got fruit fly. Some of it's got fruit fly and some hasn't, and I gave them out and didn't realise it. And some said, uh, the, the person that I gave it to said, some are sweet and some are sour. And my point, Ray, Faye, is what do I do to... Um, uh, do it. The, tr the tree is 30 years old and it's manageable. It's probably about eight or nine feet high. And I was just wondering, what do we do? Uh, do we cut it right down so that it's manageable? I'd just mm. like your advice on mm. it. Thank you. 
Okay, so fruit fly are certainly a problem and some people will experience them in their trees and the first sign they might see will be the fruit dropping and there'll be little pit marks or bite marks yeah. in it. Uh, so certainly clean up any fallen fruit. Uh, check mm. the fruit on the tree. If you can see that it's damaged and not looking too good, you might pick that off as well. Yes, certainly keep it manageable, Lynn. Um it's fantastic having fruit trees, but if they're of a size that we can't manage, that's no good. So maybe thinning it out and reducing it after this season of fruit. Uh, you can certainly make up your own baits to hang in the tree. You also might net it, which is, um, you know, much easier to do if the tree is a size of size that it can be netted. And when you do, you put this fruit fly net over the tree and you tie it in around the trunk. And that mm. is really important because fruit fly will pupate in the soil. So if you've just got it draped over, they can drop off mm. the fruit into the soil, lay their eggs, pupate and come up again. So you tie it in around the trunk of the tree. So it's a barrier. So Faye, how much do I cut off? Do I do half? Well, looking at the tree, well, I, I don't think it would be half. I think bringing it down to the height that you can reach and okay. in in so that the net that you've got uh, fits over it. That will be your, part of your criteria. Oh, great. That's great. And I just want to tell you one more thing that, your last show at Christmas, I rang about my mandarin tree. The yes. next week I got a leaf on it. <laughs> it's doing really well. I put it in the garden. I'm so pleased that your patience only had to last a week. <laughs> so uh, I did take it back to Bunnings and they did tell me that it was a mandarin tree but it had nothing on it. And exactly a week after I spoke to you, your last uh, um I was going to say, so in your mm -hmm. last um, show, it's going great. It's good. good. You heard good. us talking about it, Lynn. <laughs> and I think, Kay, what you spoke about before was absolutely excellent about pets. And you've really taught me, because I used to go out and buy sprays and spray everything, and I actually got the spray that that lady was talking about mm. on advice from those people, but I didn't use it. And I think what you said was very educational and absolutely excellent. Oh, thank you, Lynn, because I must say I really find it a dilemma when the advice or, you know, I don't like to give advice and tell people what to do, but I like to share from my experience and how I feel about things. And how you'd manage it. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So and I don't want to... what's in the garden, isn't mm. it? When you look around and you... You look around, it's just amazing how everything just yes. takes care of everything. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you very much. Cheers for that. Yeah, lovely. Thank you for All your right. show. It's awesome. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. Cheers for that. Bye. All right, we are going to have another break. And when we return, we're chatting with Audrey and Kerry. Curtain Radio. Five minutes of the program to go. We are in Morley chatting with Audrey. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Welcome. When I was listening, um, I heard the lady discussing roses, and it's probably exactly what I've got. So yeah, mm. I uh, I thought it was just the heat that was shriveling up the roses, but um, 
Obviously, it's this chilly. Chilly through. Yes. 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 It's terrible, Audrey. And and mm. certainly over the summer and reports and photos that we were getting over the last 12 months appeared to be the effect of uh, a herbicide and or putting it down to to sunburn. Uh, but, of course, mm. as time's gone on, we've learned a little bit more about it. And um, the the symptoms vary from very shriveled, stunted new growth, blackened mm. stems to yep. to even just marked leaves and small buds. It varies depending on probably how healthy your roses are and mm-hmm. the area you're in and, and what else is around in your garden. But I've started planting out my border of white allison, of basil, believe it or not, amongst my roses and mm-hmm. marigolds so that I'm bringing in the good bugs to target oh, good. Yeah, as an army. Great. Mm. And I want to thank you earlier. I was I phoned you about... Um, Staghorn and John did help me. Oh, wonderful. Fantastic. So um, thank you very much indeed for your show. Oh, wonderful. All right. Thank you very much for your call. We're running out of time now, so we have to move on. Thanks, Audrey. Cheers. And let's go to Coogee. We're talking about bulbs with Kerry. Good morning. Good morning, girls. Hi, Kerry. Hi, Faith. Some years ago, my brother gave me some bulbs which I whacked in the front garden and they've never flowered. Uh, the, I dug them up recently. I don't know what to do with them. The bulbs are huge like an onion. I guess they all are. The size of a mango fruit and they're starting to get some burgundy shoots coming from the top of the bulb. I'm wondering if I should take them out of the ground for a while and then repot them. Are they hippie astrums or...? Well, they they could be. If they've got a bulb that's that big, they could be. And if they're pushing out something now, uh, if you can send us a photo, we may be able to identify it. Um, yeah, if you do that, then I, I can give you some better advice, Kerry. How do I send a photo? I've only got your landline. Uh, to to an email address. Are you able to do that? Yes. Okay. So it's gardening at curtainfm dot com dot au. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, thanks Kerry. Kerry. Hi. Now, just before we go, we want to give a ray a double pass to the Perth Garden Festival. Compliments of Rich Grow and they said they're also throwing in some Rich Grow goodies with that. If you'd like to go to the Garden Festival which is open from this Thursday to Sunday, uh, everything going well, give Bev a call right now 94841927 first person through. Oh my goodness, she's blocked the lines. (laughs) (laughs) We might have to get the lines unblocked. Can you ask? Sorry. We're going to do that in the next two minutes. Very sorry. Uh, yeah, and she does that normally to give us a little bit of uh, space so that we can uh, exit on time. But we're going to do this today. She's unblocked the lines. Okay, there's someone ringing through right now. And, uh, yeah, so we'll give a double uh, pass away. We'll get your details and we will uh, be in touch. How's that sound? So, Ray, just to finish the show, we've got three last emails. One is from Fran in Greenwood and she's got plants that have flowered, they're bromeliads and she wonders, are they at the end of their lives? 
Do I pull out the flower head or do I leave it alone, hoping that the pups appear? Well, many bromeliads, once they've flowered, uh, will will not continue to grow or they mm. may grow for a little bit of time, but they often put out pups. Yes. So just leave it. You can, when the flower head has died, cut it off, wait for the bub, bub, pups to appear. You can pot them up and cut out the dead plant uh, when it dies down. And John of Safety has just uh, left a message about stopping possums eating oranges on trees. Barriers, netting, yeah. Um, yeah, stopping their access way. So if your tree is next to a fence, you might cut it back, uh, cut it away from other tree branches or or house walls and mm. gutters. Work out what the access way is and try and minimise that and maybe net it. Now, Evelyn has asked, uh, she was listening to us talk about ants earlier and she wants the address for where to send the specimens to get identified. Ah, yes. So this was to Deep Herd, uh, Pest and Disease Information Service, 3 Baron Hay Court in South Perth. 6151. So if you have to look that up, it's the Pest and Disease Information Service. Now we've also received an email from Morsey who has bought some cucumbers and she planted them out and what she's got growing is not a cucumber at all. It's actually a jet pumpkin. So yes. this can sometimes happen, happen and I don't know that it will actually come to maturity because it's late in the season now. So Good luck with that. It may, depending on how warm our weather stays. Exactly. Okay, look, it's time for us to go. Uh, it's been a good morning. It's been a busy morning. It's certainly another different morning. Uh, thanking the, the team, uh, John Glidden and Bev Daring. Thanks to you, Faye Curran. Thanks for that plant out there. What is that? It's called a... Nutmeg bush. Nutmeg and bush. this was given to us by Florence and I sn- snuck out. I was going past in the middle of the night and she told me she'd left them out by the letterbox she calls it purple spires but i know it by the common name nutmeg bush so thank you florence thank you okay i appreciate that um here is my gardenism of the morning if a year was tucked inside a clock then autumn would be the magical hour how true is that? Look, stay safe, everyone. Fingers crossed this little blip is over and done with uh, very, very soon. Jim Crinan next with the classic 70s happy gardening. Get out there. Have fun. We hope you've enjoyed listening to another edition of Let's Talk Gardening on Curtain Radio. Happy gardening.